The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. That's it. That's the right call. Perhaps your featherweight challenger is Felicia Spencer. Yeah, I wanted to show a different, a different side of me a little bit more violent. Felicia Phenom Spencer. But Neil Darius's absolute control on the ground, brilliant performance, but just, uh, he rose to the occasion. That was my 20th fight in the UFC. I'm finally in the conversation. But Neil Darius! Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Um, Matt is still away, obviously. And I have this weird ringing in my left ear. I don't know what it is. It's nothing to do with the equipment. I've had it all day. Uh, so Phoenix Carnavali is joining us. Hi, Phoenix. Thank you for coming. What's up, Jim? We have some stuff to talk about today. We do. And we have guests, too. We have Theo Rossi uh, from who's on Sons of Anarchy. And he's in that new movie. Uh, what was the, the zombie film? I forget the name of it. Army I of the Dead. Army of the Dead. And um, he's a huge UFC fan. I've seen him at events. And we also have Felicia Spencer and we have Benil Darush, uh, who is a tremendous win uh, this uh, this week. What did, you, what did you think this week? I'm sure you watched. So much to talk about. I don't even know where to start. First, I want to give shout outs to Edson Barboza, because not only oh. is he a beast, he is a lovely, lovely human being. Yeah. Um, so shout outs to him. And then. Just looking at Benil this week, it's just it's just watching this division and these guys just rise to the occasion each and every time. Feeling terrible for for Michael Chandler, but also completely believing that um, Oliveira deserves everything that he gets. That was one of the most beautiful moments in winning UFC history. It was a, just a gorgeous moment in sports the the elation from him winning is like the end of a rocky movie it was it was it was just great and, and can we also for a second touch on some of the 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 shitty weird judging, judging. I, I mean, I, what, what are they doing when um i was fine with uh caitlin chukagian getting that win but i mean 30 to 27 i didn't think was right and also uh venata against grundy 30, 27, 27, 30. How the fuck does that happen? 29, 28. But how, how bad is the judging 
where one guy is seeing it or one person is seeing it completely for one fighter and the other one is seeing it completely. Somebody is not doing their job. It just doesn't make sense. When you get a job, you go in an interview, right? And they check your qualifications. So what, what are your qualifications to be a judge? Eyeballs? Like what, what, yeah. do you, what do you just, oh, you're a human living, breathing thing? Okay, sure, sit here and, and mess with somebody's career and livelihood and the weeks and weeks and time that they've spent at training for this thing. No big deal. I really think that there should be like a skills course or something yep. that you should take. I am sure there are tons of like young people who are training in martial arts that would absolutely love the opportunity to become a judge and could be able to be trained more specifically to do it. So it, I, we're not a young sport anymore. Yes, we're still young in comparison to other sports, but we're not a young sport at this point. So it, it's infuriating. There's just no fucking excuse for that. Like, again, everybody misses one or again, a 29, 28, 28, 29, all that we get. But 3027 going the opposite way. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Especially with Lando, because that second round, I thought he clearly won, right? Yeah, I, I believe it was the second round. But I mean, he, I mean, I thought he won the, uh, won the fight. Um, I, but I, 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 I definitely don't think he lost three. I don't see how you could look at that and think this guy lost three rounds. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. Were you shocked, if I remember correctly, let me see if all were 30-27. Yeah, I was surprised that Darius didn't get any uh, 10-8s. Uh, maybe because uh, Tony was very active off his back and throwing elbows. But I thought, if I remember, I thought there was one. I was like, I was surprised it wasn't 20. Uh, no one saw 30-26. There was nothing in there. Um, I, I guess everybody just saw it, you know, 10-9 rounds. You know, when we when we talk to Benny later, maybe we could ask him because I remember him saying in a post fight interview that there were plenty of times that Ferguson was defending pretty well yeah. when he was going for certain things. So I, I don't know. But, you know, I guess it's really not it's not easy for us to say because we're questioning the judges in the first place. Right. And, and so that's why I'm kind of curious. But I remember being struck by that. Now, Ferguson, uh, we had him on Monday. Mm -hmm. Third straight loss. First one was, I believe, a doctor stoppage. Was it a fifth round or end of the after the between fourth and fifth? Am I correct in that fight against Gaethje? Um, again, my memory is stinks as I get older, but I I I know the loss to Oliveira, and now this loss. You have to start looking into the amount of rounds in a row, um, and he has right. been dominated on the ground for six consecutive rounds. Yep. Um, and I don't believe he won a round against Gaethje, if I remember correctly. I, and again, I could be wrong. I haven't seen that fight since it happened. But if that was four rounds plus 10 straight rounds. So what happens? Is it uh, when someone because he's still he's still obviously still Tony Ferguson. So is it that little that minute thing you miss, like that nanosecond of your timing that gets fucked up as you get to 37? Is that what it is? Like the things that would have helped you in a round all of a sudden you get taken down so you don't win the round you get. What is it? I feel like it's a combination of many, many things. And this is, this is just speculation. One thing is we're talking about Tony's decline, which is a very strong possibility, especially around 37 years old, wear and tear, all of the injuries that he's had. So that's a strong, very strong possibility. The second thing is that sometimes you get so creative and stuff, you forget your fundamentals. Yeah. You're thinking too much about the, the stuff that you could pull off that you're just forgetting certain things that you should just defend. So going back to basics. And then the third thing is not to take credit away from Tony, but to actually give credit to the guys on the come up. Right. This, this next generation, every generation 
of UFC athletes that come are better than the generation that once was before for many reasons, for the sports science becoming more involved, the nutrition becoming more involved, the evolution of the sport being more cohesive. So I think it's all those three things. So yeah, maybe Tony's declining a little bit, but he, but these guys are also, they're just such, they're just more thoroughbreds this, this coming round of fighters. But is it enough to explain like, like, and the same thing happened to Tyron Woodley, where it's not like just losing fights. It's losing X amount of rounds consecutive rounds. Round. Yeah, like with Woodley, he had lost, I think, and again, you Covington, uh, Gilbert Burns. Um, uh, he had lost, I think it was 15 straight round, maybe more than that, if, obviously another one or two. Uh, oh, my God, the last... Uh, 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 Vincent, uh, Vincente Luque. Yeah. Well, what happened, I think with Tyron was just, a he froze in so many ways, like not knowing what to do. And then when he went to be aggressive, he got caught. So it, I think a lot of it was just kind of like he, he couldn't download the information properly. And, and you do lose a little bit of timing and speed. It's, it's right. just the truth. It's just the truth of it. it. It happens to everybody. So I don't know. I don't know, but it's so much wear and tear on you in this sport. It, I, I don't, I listen once, once I got past 35, just to age myself a little bit, I definitely noticed that the recovery was just a huge part of it. I guess also too, when you look at, it almost makes you more in awe of a guy like Cormier or a guy like Glover Teixeira or a guy yes. like uh, Anderson Silva, the, the guys that again, they, they started losing more. But just the fact of how competitive they were in those fights, even when they lost, they were still, I mean, obviously this is round one KO of Cormier by Stipe, but aside from that, it was still competitive in the other fights. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, it makes you even more like, fuck these guys to do it, especially at that weight class where one punch can be enough uh, is even more impressive. There's a certain level of, of um, I want to say mental, maturity and mindset and, and like just the mental game of the sport that Daniel Cormier has. And some of these veterans have that definitely are what keeps them in the mix as age starts to get you too. Yeah. What do you think of uh, now they're saying in Ghana, Lewis, Stipe, uh, Joe, I hope Jones for his own sake. And again, I don't know what they're <sighs> offering him, but I, to me, I feel like I'm watching a guy let it go by him. I don't want to hear it. Uh, Jim, you don't know. You're not a fight. I know, but he lost a couple of years in his prime. And it's like, buddy, I, I Nganu Jones is the fight people want to see. And if Lewis happens to win that fight, that's a, and again, I don't know what they're offering him. Might, I mean, I can't imagine they're offering him a lousy payday, but maybe it's like nothing worth doing. But I mean, is he hoping to go to another, another promotion for more money? I don't know. <sighs> Come on, John you don't want us to forget about you. I get that it's about the money and I, and you should make what you should and what you believe that you're worth, but just try to make it work with multiple deals or something like, I don't know. It's just people don't wait very long until we move on to the next thing, especially in sports and pop culture. That's just how it is. And the more time away from the ring, I mean, what's that doing? Are you, I don't know. I'm sure he's training his ass off, but sure. we want to see him. Yeah, and it's also, especially since he's a guy for different reasons who has lost years in his prime. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the, he's lost uh, a couple of good years that would have been moneymaker or legendary fight makers. Um, 
and the Nganu fight, I mean, I think he's crazy to have his first heavyweight at Nganu. I mean, that's I would say that with anybody. Because John, especially years ago, he said he almost he wanted like a smaller heavyweight when he made the jump. But going up in weight, if you look at Adesanya Blahovich, it's not as easy. Not, not that anybody thinks it's easy, but you look what happened to Chris Weidman against like uh, Rockhold. Like going up, there is a difference. Um, and some guys like Cormier can do it at both. And other guys seem to have a, a harder time. So I, we all want to see John do it, but it's like you got to do it. You got to just make this fight happen. Somehow make this fucking fight happen. And and still have your mobility when you bulk up, right? Like you still have to have your mobility because that's what makes John so amazing and impressive. Well, I mean, his fight IQ too. Yeah. It, it, so it's just like, come on now. Now you're making people question because we're starting to forget. That's what happens. We forget. And then the last performance wasn't so devastating over Dominic that, you know, we, we just need to see you again. I think that has a lot to do with it. So there's, there's questions that need to be answered. There's fights that need to happen. You've got that goat status. We still believe that it's there. It's just, it's, it's time passes you by and the ball keeps rolling event after event. It's like, come back, John, we miss you. Yeah. And, uh, Francis, I mean, after that, I, I tried, I, I, and I thought Reyes won that fight. I thought it was close, but I thought that there was one round. I thought that went, that should have went to Reyes, but um, and Reyes has obviously suffered a lot since then. I think he's taken three straight losses. But you, you look at a guy like Francis, who uh, I mean, has been so devastating. Maybe that got into John's head a little bit. That lost that fight with Reyes, sorry, that win that was so close. I don't know. I mean, but Francis, after what he did with Stipe trying to take him down, that's got to bother a lot of people. Like he's a really improved fighter. He's not just a one trick slugger. Like Stipe's plan was to probably take him down. So he goes in like fucking Rocky three. You know, what do you weigh? 160 in that fight? You know, he goes in nice and light to move around that smaller octagon. You have to assume that's why he went in lighter for mobility. And then he, he goes shoots for a takedown and it's in and God who splays out. And it's like you knew it was gonna be a long night. It's just kind of fun, you know. There's a lot of fun things as far as matchups for the heavyweight division, and and like we're we're all kind of in love with Nganu right now, you know. He we watched him evolve, and now he's dangerous, and we see him become this complete athlete. And then, you know, the Derek Lewis thing, which I don't think we've officially called, but he he was doing press conferences after 262, hilarious, totally entertaining and fun. But he was talking about that. He was talking about you know losing weight and getting in shape and the possible fight with Francis and he go, oh, how do you think it'll go? And he goes, it can't go any worse than it did the first time around. So <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they're both, new, they're both new and improved. Right. So like, I'm sure excited about that. A hundred percent. And I, 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 and they said Stipe will get the winner of that fight. Um, Cyril gone, you know, look, he's number three right now. Who, who has to fucking deal with that guy? Um, but again, he, I, I remember his, I think his last fight was his whoever's last fight was against. He looked good, but I'm like, nah, I don't think he is ready for uh, Francis yet. He, he needs another fight or so before he, he gets in Ghana. That was just my take. Um, so, yeah, Cyril Ghana uh, is very exciting. I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, and, and Stipe. I wouldn't mind seeing Cyril Ghana and, and Lewis or, or Francis. So there's a lot of interesting fights, even if John doesn't want to. Now, Theo Rossi is ready. Am I correct? Yes. All right, let's get him in here. You put in the work training at the gym, on the court, at the track, wherever you go. You push your body to the limit. Now maximize your results. Discover how to unlock your inner champion 
with Thorns High Performance Sports Nutrition Line. With the most comprehensive line of NSF certified for sport products on the market, Thorn is the unquestioned leader in both quality and innovation in sports nutrition. With pre-built fitness bundles like Thorn's Training Bundle, you can jumpstart your training and fitness routines and help take your performance to the next level. Don't trust your body to anything else. Choose the supplement brand with the extensive third-party testing and the highest level of certification recognized in pro sports. Choose Thorn, the official sports performance nutrition partner of the UFC. Visit Thorn.com and use the promo code UFC10. That's T-E-N for 10% off. That's promo code UFC10 and you get 10% off. And Matt and I get the credit and that's all that matters. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. What's up, Theo? What's up? How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I haven't seen you in a long, long time. You go to a decent amount of events. I went to a ton when I was living in LA. Yeah. Yeah. What was the last one you went to? Uh, you have a microphone and you have a backdrop, which is more than most comedians after a year in the pandemic. At least you have a system that's a professional. No, we, setup. Have, we have three podcasts that do really, really well. So I'm in, I've been like, crazy with this stuff and you know oh. i've been and with this i'm moving i'm in the middle of moving so i'm basically in a closet right now so if it looks all right i don't know what's going on here where are you going i live in austin now okay and we just got a ranch oh all right so we're moving yeah. into a ranch very that nice. is way different than Staten Island. Yeah. Let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah we're moving into a big old ranch with like donkeys and all that for the boys, you know, we got out here a couple of years ago. And um, so so point is, we're like physically like there's mattresses against the wall, like we're moving. And uh, we're trying to do this all before I head back out for a couple of months. But yeah, I do. Last event, um, it was either a jujitsu event or if it was a bigger event, the might have been. I don't know. I've been to so many. It would have to be live. I would have mm -hmm. to think. I don't know. Cause you know, the big ones stick out like when Weidman won yeah. the title or, you know, when John did that thing to his toe with Chael or, yeah. uh, or when they went to the garden um, in that big event in the garden, the first one. Um, I don't know. I'd have to Connor think. Alvarez, right. Wasn't that the first one in the garden? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Connor Alvarez, right. Was that that one? 200 was just a big deal, but 205 was in the garden. Cause I'm, I'm in New York, Theo. In fact, I'll show you this. Let me see. Uh, Wu-Tang forever. That's why I'm wearing my <laughs> yellow. I just got the new Roots line, the Shaolin line. Did you see mm -hmm. 
No, I it, want it though. I just got it. Like literally the package just came in from Jesse and them. Um, you can leave her in here, babe. Yeah. And uh, I, I immediately told him he's got to send it to meth and, and, and ghost and everybody because that line is crazy. It's got the big, all the Shaolin stuff with all the monks and all it's nuts. Yeah. That's our, that's our badge of honor. We don't have many in Staten Island. Let us at least please. Well, you've got some pizza. You've got some yeah. pizza. Vinitos. And then you've got the Wu-Tang clan. Toadhill Road, the mafia. There's a lot of great things. We got the mafia. We got Castellano's <laughs> house. Yeah. Um, we got all the stuff that went down, Sammy the Bull's house, all that. But no, I, uh, I ran from there, man. Understand, yeah, understandable. Definitely understandable. My mom's there, and like, like my claim to fame was just the Wu Tang. That was pretty much it. Yeah, I, I uh, on my new tattoo, I'm going to do what you did on, you know, adding into all these, but put the little, you know, Wu Tang symbol, symbol, yeah, and maybe some killer bees around it. But yeah, that was a uh, '93. That was a game changer for the island because everybody used to say when you lived in Staten Island, my family moved here from Brooklyn, which was oh, true because that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I live here, but my family moved here from Brooklyn. Like that's what you used to say. That was your caveat. And then from 93 on, you were like, I'm from Shaolin. And it, it like felt better to say it. Then it all changed. Yeah. Yeah. People always needed an excuse before that though. Like, yeah, I'm here, but Brooklyn is where I, I really, but yeah. then they were proud to actually be born and right. Yeah. I yeah. Or people would be like, I work in Manhattan, but I, but I live in Long Island. You know, it was always like a caveat because Manhattan was the one that everybody wanted to be in, in the nineties and eighties. And of course, then, then it changed. Well, it's like if you're if you're in the middle of the country and they're like, oh, where are you from? You're like, out of New York. What part? Well, Jersey, actually. But <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but you, you start going miles from New York. Like that's how <laughs> far, uh, where am I from? Uh, 30 miles from New York. You know, it was always, yeah. you know, or, or they're, if they're away on vacation, they're like, where are you from? They're like New York. And they're like, what part? They're like, well, well it's Rochester, but it's, yeah. it's kind of like it's still New York, but yeah. it's like, but it's not really New York. And it's yeah. because people assume like California, you tell people you're from California, they think LA, but obviously Immediately. yeah, that's not the case. Right. And uh, New York's the same thing. Everybody thinks Manhattan and that's not the case. I don't think I knew any very few people that were born in Manhattan and like grew up in Manhattan right. in the seventies, eighties, you know, it was everyone went there after school or if they didn't go to college, they started working right away or whatever they were doing. Your dream was to live in the apartment in Manhattan. When did you know that you like wanted to be an actor? Oh, I didn't. I still don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, listen, I mean, she will tell you these things just happen. I think for me, I just, I don't know. I don't plan anything in my life. I just like it happened. I honestly could tell you it sounds maybe like a bit of a cliche thing, but I grew up only knowing one way of life. And that way was make money at all costs, at any cost, and it, it, whatever that took. So whether you were delivering papers, whether you were you know, working in a restaurant, busboying, whatever, or you were selling drugs, whatever it was, make money. Right. If you had to sell counterfeit 20s for six dollars, if you do whatever you were going to do, but they never told you what to do when you made money. So people go work for chop shops, they work for stock, you know, whatever you did. And I didn't know what I was doing. And then somehow 
acting came and it came in a really circuitous route of my friend was taking classes in 15th and 5th in Manhattan. And I went by because there was all these girls and they used to go to this bar right next to it, the Belmont Lounge. And then I'd go to the bar because everybody be hanging out. And this was in the late 90s. Oh, wait a second. Was that Lee Stroudsburg's? Yeah. Right next Holy, to it. How do we not? How do we never? I don't know how we never crossed paths. We met actually at the Luke Cage party oh, at the Luke Cage rap party for like party? a couple of seconds. It was a very good, it was break dancing. Was that the one with Jada? And that was unbelievable. That was the greatest rap party. Yeah. Rock him performed. It was like, what is this? Yep. But, yep. but I, I started doing that. And then I was like, I didn't know. I had no discernible skills. I didn't know anything. I only knew how to take a job or if somebody said, do this. Okay. How can I, how can I make money? Oh, it's stolen credit card. Oh, how can I, okay. How can I do, I didn't know anything. And then I was like, oh, maybe. And then someone, and then somehow, and again, it's a story I've told a million times. This guy came in to cast an independent film about this young drug dealer. And I always played a lot younger than I was. And I was what, 22 at the time. And, uh, you know, and then I got this role and I was shooting up in Westchester and I was, I'd never been on a set. I didn't know how to film. I didn't know anything about that. And then I learned it and I went, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this. And I said to my buddies and we all moved out to LA, five of us got there on October 31st, 1999. And I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it in the same way I do everything. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to watch every single movie. I'm going to learn every single thing about the business. I'm going to learn from Max Sennett and Charlie Chaplin to the Warner Brothers to Daryl Zanuck. I'm going to learn the beginnings to the end. And I'm going to learn everything about it up to now. And I did. And I went, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And I did whatever I had to do to sustain trying to be an actor. Whatever I had to do hustle-wise, uh, uh, hour-wise, working-wise to keep myself afloat and give this the fair shot. I never had a plan B. And then in 08, Suns happened. And you know, I had done 50 guest stars, but when Suns happened, it changed everything. I think everybody's looking for that one thing that changes something. And that changed the course of everything. Did you actually, did you actually sell drugs before you moved out? Yeah. That seems like such a stressful job. I sold drugs forever. It was the only thing I knew how to do. It was, I I am not proud of it. It's just the only thing I knew how to do. My, my fear would be like, cause I, I, like, what do you do if somebody doesn't want to pay you? Like, I I would be so afraid they're just going to take my drugs. Yeah, they do. I got robbed. I mean, I've gotten robbed. And when I was up in Albany and Arbor Hill, I mean, people just go, you're not, you know, I went to go pick up like two ounces of blow and they're like, I'm not, you're not getting paid. Oh, okay. And then next thing you know, you're like, there's 14 guys around you. Oh, okay. But that's part of the deal, right? That the, there's acceptable circumstances. Every action has a reaction. And when you're young, you, you don't fathom the reaction. The weird thing about Staten Island Brooklyn, Queens, certain places was, and I don't know if it exists anymore. There was just this thing where things didn't seem as fearful. It just seemed like it was just part of it. You know, these guys were selling dime bags. These guys were selling pills. You'd go here to get this. And it just became the natural form of existence, like fighting. Like I always said, like I was always confused because people used to fight all the time, physically like fist fight. And it, 
you'd be friends the next day, but people would fight. You'd meet after school, you'd fight. And it didn't mean that you liked fighting. I've been knocked unconscious. I've been this, but you just fought. Then when I, I remember going to LA and like the last physical fight I had was like maybe in 04 or whatever, or 06. And I got in a fight and somebody was like, I can't believe you just hit me. And I was like, but you just pushed me. <laughs> like you pushed me. So I hit you. That's kind of the reaction of what you're supposed right. to do. And I guess in New York, it was a lot more acceptable that that was an occurrence. If someone was leaning on their horn or if, you know, if someone got out of a car, you know, you might get hit. If someone wanted to fight you after school, you, you had to fight, you know. And, and I think that other I didn't realize till I stepped out of the existence of New York. What it was like, it's not normal, it's not normal, it's not normal, that behavior, that fear. I grew up same as you. I'm a little bit younger than you, but same area of Brooklyn, Staten Island, yeah. Queens. Um, and, it, and it was like that. I mean, I showed up the first week of high school, knotted up. I mean, I look like the Terminator. My eye was like black. I had the red in the middle of it. Like I was the T1000. I remember you were in the Saracana Chronicles, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so pissed they canceled that show. I know, me too. It's um, a great but show. Yeah, so it was, it's like crazy like that. So you kind of understand that weird, okay, you just fight. This is what you do. But when did you start really like liking UFC and getting into it? And Yeah. So I didn't know anything. I didn't know. I, I always, I, you know, I was boxing with this guy, Ricky Showtime Kia's uh, Kila's when I was in LA, he was a, you know, three-time champ. I was just training with him when I was doing sons. Like we would just go and I go to the gym every day and we'd spar once a week. And I was like, this is cool. And like every other kid, when they're young, I did like take one dough and we'd like break boards and <laughs> stuff when I was a kid and like that kind of <laughs> stuff, you know, everybody does that, but I didn't, I never, you know, I remember I had friends that were doing, we still joke around, they were doing like Nana Shikata and like all this stuff, but we never, no one ever followed it up. Some people did. We didn't. And if they did, it was like boxing. Everybody was boxing because again, we're Tyson era kids. Like Tyson had controlled the world. And unless you were right. young enough to understand, I know Ali's impact, but Tyson was like, it was everything. It was yeah. get togethers on Saturdays. It was video games. It was th everything you wanted to be in, in the way it looked right. That fast knockouts, the, the, the viciousness of it. So then when I got, and I was doing sons, I got contacted. I went over to Iraq and Kuwait and was with all the guys and we stayed on Balad air force base. And I met with some guys that were training, basically we were training every different fighting style there and they were incorporating knife play into it with brazilian jiu-jitsu with muay thai with all this stuff came back and hoist gracie reached out with some of his black belts the jetsons and he was a huge fan of sons and wanted to come down to set and of course i was like fuck yeah right yeah <laughs> when i was a busboy waiter at this place saddle ranch in la in 1999 2000 this is my first remembrance of this. UFC had just, uh, where were they at in 2099? What, what would you say? Because I, I know the guys who were in there. It was Frank. It was Frank. It was, uh, it was um, Chemo. It was Tank, Abbott. All those guys <laughs> were in the bar causing a ruckus. And the bouncers were like, if shit gets out of control, 
I am not doing anything. And I was their waiter. And I was like, these guys are the you fucking great. You can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. Please, guys, please. <laughs> <laughs> and Tank was known for that kind of stuff, right? Like they go in and just cause havoc. And it was a place for an electric bull and all this. And I was like, man, these guys, they were so cool. We had such a good time. And so I started watching and really watching. And then cut to years later, Hoist was like, hey, come, come to my house and start training. So I went to his garage. He had the wow. mats down and uh, he put me to sleep right away with like, a, a, you know, a cross gi choke, like where he just literally on the carotid arteries, I was out and I was like, OK. And then I wanted to do more. Um, but time and schedule, he lived all the way down by the beach. I was up in Eagle Rock. So we would train occasionally. But we would always talk. We would always hang out. The Jetsons were his black belt twins. Then uh, moved to New York to do Luke Cage. And I was in Staten Island and shit got like totally disconnected. I couldn't train. I couldn't do anything. It was just very disconnected. Like everyone knows who lives in Staten Island from the world. Like you're just disconnected. Yeah, there's, there's like two yeah. jujitsu schools there. That's it. There's one Tiger Showman's where they're actually pretty good. And then there's like a jujitsu school like in the middle of the middle of Staten Island yeah. somewhere. I'm, I'm sure there's more now because as MMA gets more popular, like people are opening stuff up, but yeah, it, it is kind of the middle. Of yeah. It just, it, and, and again, it was just like, okay. And I'm a runner. So I like, I time is the only thing I can't ever buy in my life. So like, I like to get mm -hmm. up five 30 in the morning and immediately go running, whether that's going to be five miles, 10 miles, I'm going. So I'm done while everybody's sleeping the thought of going to the gym just took more hours than I needed. And, but then I moved to Austin and there was a, you know, a Gracie uh, gym right up here, professor Ricardo. And I met him and I just started training four days a week. And I was like in, in, and I was like, okay, this like I'm in. And then the pandemic hit. And uh, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah. That's I started rough. training at Jimmy Rivera's uh, just doing some um, just like kickbox and I loved it. And then I had the same thing. Everything just kind of shut down. Now I got to go back. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not in a place. If I was on the subway, I'd probably still get a beating, but it, it was still, it made you feel good to at least be doing something in addition to like working out. I was like, all right, at least yeah, my body will. I loved better. it. I lo I absolutely loved it. I was, I was actually, I would say I was addicted. I was going to like the six 30 in the morning class. I was going, you know, four or five days a week and I was getting fucked up constantly, you know? Um, and I loved it. I, I, it sounds crazy. I think there's nothing more, I mean, I've been knocked out cold on the streets of Manhattan. I've been, you know, I've been knocked out in the woods in Staten Island and I've been choked out multiple, multiple times. I think I think that that it I think why fighters are the greatest people, most of them, is they have had that happen. They understand that where most people don't understand it. Right. They go about yelling at everybody and, you know, right. doing whatever. Yeah. And they don't understand that line. somebody could. Yeah. They just don't know. Right. Like that they can get annihilated by someone who's, you know, I mean, Uriah came out to Austin once. I remember Faber, he had his flip flops on and down on sixth street and some guy like tried to start a fight with him. He didn't know who he was. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing? So, so dumb. So dumb. Do There's this line in fight club that I love so much. And he says, how much do you know about yourself? You've never been in a fight. Best line ever. You know? And I just, yeah, there's so much reality to that. I'm not telling people that, hey, go out there and get into a fight, but at least yeah. train so that you you know how you handle 
absolute crazy stress in the moment. I mean, performing is like that too. It's like absolute crazy stress within a moment. How are you going to handle something you can't control? You know, then sort of riding that wave, you can control yourself as much as possible, but nature you can't. So you've got to figure out how to keep balance at the same time. It's really interesting philosophy fighting. Wouldn't you say that with everything, but I mean, tenure in anything, right? Comedy, right? Someone who's been on a mm-hmm. stage 10,000 hours, somebody who tenure in anything, and I'm just using 10,000 hours in an sure. arbitrary number with acting, with fighting, with loss, right? People losing people in life, people, um, relationships, right? Having your heart broken, everything comes with tenure. And you learn how to deal with things, right? As we get older, youth is wasted on the young. As we get older, we start to realize things that we look back and go, man, if I had half of this when I was there, I would have maybe done this, 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 and this, but I'm glad I didn't because I'm here, right? We're all here. And not to get all esoteric and weird with it. It's like, I think that when I look at actors like who have been in the game for a long time, they've figured out their system that works for them. They might not be as sharp. They might not be as hot to Hollywood. They might not be as whatever, but, you know, hey, look, someone you played, right? Look at someone like Don Rickles later in his life, as opposed to early. He's still amazing, but he really became like a master at what he was doing, right? Yeah, and people would go, I I, I went, uh, I had met him a, a couple of different times, but in the Montreal Festival is the last time I saw him, I think. And it was like Gabriel Iglesias and a few other comedians. And people just wanted to, because Rickles was sitting by that point. Like he'd be yeah. on stage just sitting. He was you know, very, very old. But people just wanted to go in the dress room and kind of be in, this, be in his presence. Like you just wanted to kind of like whatever he has, maybe some of it leaks off. Like you just wanted to be with this guy for a minute. It was, it was nice to see guys paying such a tribute. But when, when he did what he did, it was unheard of. Like no one shat on Frank Sinatra. Like no one did that. <laughs> oh, no one, no one had his balls. He, he was amazing. Um, considering when he did what he did too. And, and again, the fact that he, the fact that he, te- you're talking a marathon of a life. You're talking uncompromising, right? It's so hard to be uncompromising now, right? Because he, his, his whole thing was taking risks. Let me see how far I can push it. Let me come back. Let me see how far I can push it. Let me come back. This worked, this didn't. This worked, this didn't. But at the same time, what I love about Don, and, and not to go off on this tangent, is he, was, he never took it to the self, the... Um, the damaging place to himself. He was a family person. He was, he, he cared about. So what, what you see is that in the comedian sense, and again, I don't, I, I know, I know enough of what I know, but you go to the priors and, and the kinesins and the people who are abusing themselves. And that happens with actors, great actors that are great. If you look at the ones that tenure, Delroy Lindos, right. Jeffrey Wright, you know, people. And then you go to some of the greats, Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of my favorites who, you know, went the other way. Right. And it goes back into them. And I think that, and then there's the ones like John Cassell, who I always talk about, who's one of the greatest living actors ever on the planet, but had five movies, five best pictures and just sickness got him. Someone told me this, and this is where everything changed for me. It was like 11 years ago. 
I was sitting there and this is back when I was just being a stupid young kid because I didn't, I didn't know any better. And I was starting Sons. And the person who told me was Katie Seagal, actually. I was sitting in makeup on Sons. And she said, this career is hard enough. It's hard enough. It, 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 don't make it harder. And right. I just was like, fuck. She's so right. Like, why, why would I want to make this harder than it is? It already is fucking hard. You're already dealing with things that you can do the best set. You can do the best movie. If they don't promote it right, you can be the best fighter and get fucking clipped and not even see Like, it's already hard. Why are we making it harder on ourselves? And uh, that changed everything for me. That was dope. I needed to hear that today. <laughs> Go ahead, but there, are, there are people like, I, I, I didn't know Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, I, mean, I, I didn't know. But there are some people you wonder how much of their ability to be mm. great is fueled by the same, not the drug. I don't believe drugs or alcohol makes you better, but are fueled by that same part of the brain that is addiction or crazy. Like uh, you look at Brando who, uh, you know, as great as he was, you know, he, he had to fucking bolt his refrigerator shut because he couldn't stop eating. Like, yes. like so whatever reason, fatso. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Very underrated. Very underrated. <laughs> <laughs> but but Brando, like, you know, for, for all of his grip, but the same thing that drove him to be as crazy in his personal life might have given him the ability for to actually sure. have to have fucking Robert Duvall have cue cards taped on him, like the nerve to do that to another actor. For sure. So, but but again, you, you can't have the yin without the yang, right? Yeah. You can't have Tupac without Tupac. Right. You can't. You got to have one with the other. So I study behavioral science. It's It's like part of what my career in the past. And um, there's so much truth to that is being able to control that immediate sense of gratification that you need. But that sense of gratification is kind of what makes us performers too. So it's really hard to have that, that gratification control, that, that dopamine surge, that serotonin surge. Like I could talk about this type of stuff forever. Uh, You know, it's just, it's like the the psychology of makes us why we do the things we do and how we do the things we do and how much science is actually involved. Like how much is on like a hormonal level, a craving level and where that comes from, even from like early childhood. I mean, it's like super deep stuff, but I can't let you go without asking you about the reason that you're here, which is the movie. (laughs) Army of the Dead. Yeah. 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 Um, it's wild. It was a wild, uh, it was a wild, wild experience. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I've never been in a movie that big, you know, um, I had never, I could talk about it forever, but I'll just say that it's, um, it was, it was amazing. Zach is exactly how you hope he would be. You know, he's one of those guys, like a lot of this business is, is such bullshit, right? You know, we, we all know this, like the, it's like everything else. There's, every, every emotion is only based on two things, fear or love. Right. And a lot of people come from fear. A lot of people come from fear in Hollywood. They're, you know, they're scared that they're not going to work again or their egos fucked up or this person's on a billboard and they're not. And, and uh, he's literally everything you want in, in a person he's passionate, he's in control. He's the DP, he's the writer, he's the director, it's his vision. And, uh, when you go in, it's a collaborative effort. So I went in uh, to this thing, five months we shot in Atlantic City in New Mexico, not knowing much, right? I went in uh, just from a meeting with him and, um, and we improved a ton. And we, you know, when you're playing these kind of despicable, you know, bad guys, um, which I try, which I seem to play 
a good amount is you try to invoke any type of humanity into them that you can. And um, you just try to make them as fun and as different from you as possible. So with him being in this world, being with Dave, who I'd kind of known through people, Amari and I had just finished another movie before it, American Skin, that came out in January. Um, we then went right into this. I've known Amari for 20 years. Um, and to have that big cast, uh, but to have Zach lead it, and now seeing it, you know, I just saw it in the theater. I saw it uh, when I was in L.A. doing my last TV show last month. I watched it on the computer. Definitely a theater type film. Um, but Netflix, Netflix has been amazing to me. My next few things are with them. So I'm excited for. Uh, listen, I'm excited for it. I, I, I hope I hope people see it. But, you know, if they do, they do. If they don't, fuck am I going to do? Man? I don't know. We have to go because we have our we have two more guests. We have the next one is in the waiting room. Yeah. But uh, I want to pr properly promote it is on Netflix army. And we'd love to have you back for like a whole show. Yeah, next time cool. you come back, we'll just have you. You're, you're really an interesting guy. Sure. Um, and uh, army of the dead is on Netflix. Is it on now or when does it come? I'm not sure. First, it's in the theaters now. I know this stuff. It's in the theaters now. It's uh, it's in it's on like 600 and something screens. First time Netflix has ever done this. Um, so it's kind of a bit of a landmark thing. And uh, speaking of marks, it's at the Cinemark theaters all over the country. And then the 21st, it's global. I think Netflix is in like, what, 190 something. I don't know. They're it's everywhere. They're they are every, everywhere. everywhere. Everywhere there's fucking a plug uh, <laughs> yeah. for a TV. There is it's Netflix. A fucking restaurant. There's Netflix at the table. It's <laughs> everywhere. So, so uh, yeah, go watch it on Friday and, and, and have some fun. And that's it. Thanks, man. It was really good hanging with you. And uh, again, we'd love to have you back again uh, soon. That was fun. It was fun talking to you. Can't wait. Enjoy your day, guys. Have fun today. Emmy award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Here's Felicia Spencer. Hi, Felicia. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. We were just talking to... Uh, an actor named Theo Rossi, and uh, he was promoting, I, I guess Army of the Dead is considered kind of a horror movie, I would suppose, but zombies. Uh, are you a horror movie fan or do you like totally avoid them? Um, I used to seek them out like as a younger kid and teenager. Um, I haven't for a while. My husband more so is like anti-horror movies. Um, so I haven't really watched a horror movie like because we always watch movies together. So he doesn't like them. So, so I guess doesn't. in turn, I don't watch them. 
Uh, does he not like them because they scare him? It's funny. A guy I used to go know, he's ex-cop. He works secure. He's a giant guy. He's a black belt in two martial arts, but he can't watch horror movies. You know, they're scary. Like, he just doesn't like horror movies. Does your husband get afraid or does he just think that they're cheesy? No, it's neither. Actually, he he's fine with them, like watching it. But then he he like gets bad dreams at night and he can't sleep. So uh, like night terrors, basically. And it's like he's fine with the movie while it's on. But then night terrors happen. So it's like, well, we'll just move on from that genre. OK. <laughs> and, uh, and I yeah, I thought I would like want to watch them by myself, like when he's gone or out of town. But I'm like, kind of don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, it's not fun alone. Um, yeah. It's not fun alone, especially if it's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, the last scary movie I watched like alone was my friend gave me a bootleg copy of The Ring many years ago. And I was I was scared the shit out of me. And I literally had to turn the lights in the apartment on. But I'd rather share that with somebody than by yourself. It just feels too creepy yeah. to be by yourself. It really is. Yeah. Felicia, <laughs> you've had um, probably probably one of the longest fight camps ever because you've known about this fight with Norma Dumont for, I don't know, like eight weeks or so, right? Um, well, actually, 12 weeks was when I found out for the Danielle Wolf matchup. Yeah, I've had I had 12 weeks. So it was almost like, all right, it's a little too long of a notice, but it was fine. Like I was I wanted it to be a little sooner, but it was you know, it all worked out. I was I, I made sure not to like get too hard into to fight camp training or mentality too soon. So I really like kicked it up at eight weeks. So it worked out well. Yeah. And then so like when how long would you say is like the perfect amount of time to get yourself prepared, even if there's like a matchup that you're considering or you know about? Like, What's your process? Um, you know, I feel like the eight week mark, eight week mark is ideal for me, especially if I come in, you know, I, I don't come in from like no training. Like I've been training the whole, you know, for the year. So um, so coming in like, you know, in shape you know, training every day still, but like to hit the ground running with like the extra, the extra stuff that's harder on your body is I like the eight week mark. And then it, it's just been, I guess I haven't tried a lot of different time frames, um, but I did have, I did have an experience where I was in fight camp last year for Amanda and then my fight got postponed, but only by a month. So I couldn't get out of fight camp and then go back in. So that was an actual 12 week camp that was really tough to go through I think um so I was like yeah I definitely don't I think eight weeks is is good yeah because I, I was saying it's been it's been a long time since we last saw you that was that the Norma fight and then we had like this huge break so was it just COVID or just you know nothing else had come up uh, well I you know I wanted to take six months um I mean that's like the medical suspension I got also and like I know you don't have to stick to that but mm -hmm. I feel like I should you know I, I took a lot of damage in my last fight with Nunez and I didn't think it would be smart to come back too soon. So I was expecting like, you know, February, March, you know, April. And then, so, you know, it just kept getting a little farther and farther, but I also wasn't, I wasn't rushing it. I wasn't like too antsy. I was just happy to be training and enjoying, you know, enjoying the process and getting better. And, you know, my division's so weird as everyone knows. So I was just like happy to take a fight when it came up and, and uh, just enjoy life, you know, not stress about stuff I can't control. Yeah. How happy are you that the uh, it's great to see fans back again, too. And you watch like I knew I missed fans, but I kind of like hearing the sound of punches or these weird, this weird little shit people yell from the corner that you wouldn't have heard in. Like, I love hearing like all the, the coaches screaming at them. And 
But when you hear the announcement and how crazy the fans are going, it makes you realize like, yeah, they are a bigger part of it than I remembered. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's a whole different experience from being in the I was in Jacksonville, like at the event. So that was a whole like a whole big reminder. And then the first time I got to watch it again was this past Saturday. And I was like, oh, yeah, like this is different. It feels it feels cool to like hear the cheers while, you know, while the action's going on and the crowd going crazy. Um, so even the commentators kind of, it all kind of flows together different. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's really nice to hear it again. And you wonder if they're going to keep, uh, cause you're fighting, uh, on, at the, uh, at the apex. So you're fighting, uh, there's not gonna be any crowd there. I wonder if they're going to keep doing those or are they, are they have a certain schedule of fights that they are, the the fight teams are staying at the apex. They are. Yeah, because it's just going to take too too much time to refigure out like where they can go. And Dana only wants to go places where that's a hundred percent open. Right. So the fight nights are going to stay like at the apex for now. No, I mean, no, but for now, right? But yeah. eventually they're going to go back to said at least till the end of the year. Oh, okay. What stuff changes? I don't know. <laughs> as 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 Felicia, I'm sure you know. Yeah, <laughs> can uh, hold your tongue on it. <laughs> Um, and you fought too. You know, you went the distance with uh, Amanda and with uh, Cyborg, which there's not many people that can say that they've done that many rounds with those two. Uh, what was the difference between them um, in 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 the uh, in the later rounds? And who did you feel you were more in danger with? Um, they're both incredible, you know, fighters, and and they have they they keep their intensity, you know. So I I can't say either of them like felt diminished at a certain point, I guess. Maybe Amanda more so. I feel like I had a better round, better first round with Cyborg. So that may have like played more into the later rounds. Um, you know, maybe just the confidence that Amanda, she really like, she really carries confidence like throughout the entire fight. Like you can see on her face, like she's just, you know, it's just emitting from her. And, um, I don't know if they, they have a different, uh, different approach, I guess, you know, Amanda's definitely, um, more like, uh, I don't want to say, I guess more like technical, like you're kind of expecting her to, you know, she was coming in and out really well. She was timing me perfectly. Like she had one step ahead of me the whole time. Um, and it was just, it was cool. It was an amazing experience to be with either of them, with both of them, um, you know, I felt definitely hard, hard body shots from Cyborg, obviously headshots too, but um, I would say like harder headshots from Amanda, but they affect you differently, you know, the headshots and the body shots. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Amanda definitely was elusive for me. You know, I was able to get some cage, cage control and some clinch time with Cyborg. And that was not something I was successful in on last year with, with a Nunes. So um yeah, either way, it was, you know, it was crazy experience for both. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear you say that, right? Because like, I think what makes Amanda Amanda is that she's confident without being cocky. Because if you get cocky, you can get like overzealous. And like, especially when she fought you, I'm thinking, wow, she's really calculated rather than just because she could have made a mistake at any time. And you were obviously so tough that you were going to come back at her no matter what. Like I never saw any quit in you the, the entire fight, even though it was like such a difficult fight. So I'll ask you this, you know, you just, you really fought two of the absolute best women in the world. 
the two of the absolute best, right? And you you got up there. You got to that absolute mark in martial arts, which is the highest level ever. One to be in the UFC. I don't think people realize like how hard it is just to be in the UFC, like in the first place. Then in your division with those two great women. So what do you take away from that experience, win, lose, or draw? That that's where you are. You know, like that's how high up you are. It's I guess it's hard for it to soak in. You know, like my life feels normal just because it's my life, you know, it's just me, <laughs> um, you know, and um, it, I'm grateful for it. I'm, I'm really grateful that it, that I can, that I hear from people around me or people that I meet that it's inspiring. You know, that's really what I love about it is like, not for me, cause I, that's just my life. My life experience was that and your life experience is this, you know, but uh, yeah, I guess just hearing like how people get motivated by my determination and my success is the best part of it really so and confidence and that there's a good point you made too you can sense i'm sure when you're facing someone the difference between cockiness and and confidence and amanda to me never seems like she's trying to mean mug or like she just she never seems like she's trying to convey anything maybe that's the difference is you can you can sense i'm sure when someone is trying to convey an attitude to yeah. you and when someone just has an attitude for themselves yeah, that's actually a really good point. It's, it's very authentic, just like a, a happy confidence, not a like, you know, it's not a snotty confidence. Yeah, it's yeah, like Charles Oliveira shaking everybody's hand, happy to be there. You're like, oh, this guy's a fucking murderer. Like it, that's got to be really scary when the other guy is as good as he is. And it, it's not a fake friendliness either. It's an I'm yeah. so comfortable being here in this moment. Um, it's interesting to hear a fighter does actually notice when another fighter is like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a good quality to have. It's a good trait. So Felicia, for this particular matchup, right? Yes, obviously there was a change. So what do you have to do to win this one? And, and what do you think about your division as a whole and and the opponents that are coming up against you? Um, You know, I just have to be me out there. You know, I have to stick to what I do best and, and, but, but part of what I do best is, is fight with an open mind and, and read, situations and be creative in those moments and make good decisions so I think with my last fight you know I got a little stuck I got a little stuck on certain like trains of thought certain things that that I wanted to accomplish or certain things that that weren't happening so it was kind of like uh going in circles in my head so I, I really like mentally didn't have that um that going for me which is one of my stronger traits in a lot of my fights just being creative being fluid and open so so yeah, that's what I want to do. You know, just go have fun. You know, I don't, I didn't put any pressure on my shoulders. Like, like you said, my division is in a weird place. Like I don't really have any information that the world doesn't already have about it, <laughs> all the questions about it and everything. So, so for me, it's like, I'll, all I can do is go out there and put on a good performance and we'll see what happens after the fight, as far as the division looks and what, and what happens. Um, you know, they're, there haven't been a lot of people signed to the division and uh, or people moving up to the division. But again, I have really come to terms over the last, uh, especially over the last year, the last few years, just not even stressing about things that I don't control. And again, the only thing I can control is Saturday night. So that's where I'm at. That's where my head's at. <laughs> you wonder as it moves forward, like with all MMA, the more people are doing it and training it, the more body types and the more weight class, like, you know, and if you remember when, women's uh you know when it first came into ufc there was just like a few and then all of a sudden you have three packed divisions and you're looking at a fourth 
Do you think that's something that will change or is it just that it, there's not even many on the horizon uh, that would, that would qualify as, as decent featherweights? Yeah, I think, I think for some, for a lot of people, you know, growing up, you know, being a teenager or something, looking and seeing an opportunity happening gives you the motivation to like pursue it. You know, like if I was a teenager and I saw people my size, you know, fighting, you know, having the opportunity to do what I do, it would maybe steer me in a direction, you know, not me necessarily because it didn't work out like that, but for someone else, they might get steered into the direction to pursue a career in MMA instead of another sport, you know, like I'm, we're, I'm a bigger woman, you know, so it, it's uh, maybe people my size typically would go for a different sport. Like, like we've seen in the past with the men's heavyweight, you know, people always say, well, if you're that big, you're going to the NFL, like you're not going to make such little money compared to NFL players if you're that big, you know, so, but it's changing, you know, we see a lot of, you know, just superb athletes that are bigger for men and women coming out because there is a career in MMA now and there is an opportunity to do it. Uh, so yeah, the more, the more it's seen, the more people will turn to it. Well, it's interesting because Kayla Harrison, who's, you know, uh, with a different promotion, she fights a little bit heavier than you, but she's saying that she would try to make the weight if she got into the UFC. Do you see that as a possible matchup? And and do you think she would do well in the UFC? Yeah. I mean, she's had, she's had a good amount of experience out there with, you know, with the competition she's had, she's had some good competition. They've been a little smaller for a lot of them, but not all of them have been you know, smaller than her and she can definitely make the weight. She made it last, um, last year at Invicta. So she made a one-off fight with them. Everyone in in the lightweight or featherweight division is a future opponent. (laughs) That's just the way it's looking. Like every, everyone is a possible opponent because there just aren't that many out there. So. Well, look, good luck on Saturday night. Um, you know, again, uh, you'll be fighting in front of crowds, I'm sure, soon. Uh, but you might have one more kind of quiet one as far as an audience. So maybe you enjoy it while it lasts. Like, all right, I have to enjoy not having to, you know, uh, that's how I would try to look at it. Uh, just, all right, well, th- this experience is like a time capsule. So, you know, maybe you have one more uh, one more without an audience before you, you know, fight in, yeah. in front of a full crowd. It's a good way to look at it. Very good. Yeah, it's a time capsule. You know, you just kind of all, all these boring, shitty things I've done in COVID and podcasts. I'm like, all right, I'll look back on it someday and uh, I'll remember where I was. But it's uh, good talking to you, uh, uh, Felicia, and uh, and good luck on uh, on Saturday. Uh, against, well, thanks uh, for having me again, guys. It was really nice. <laughs> Congratulations, man. Oh, thank you. How's it going? Very well. Very well. How do you feel? A little beat up. I'm I'm sitting in my massage chair or my mother-in-law's massage chair and uh, taking full advantage of it. When you beat a guy, it's do- and again, Tony is Tony, but you, you really, I like that you were saying now I'm part of the conversation. Um, yeah. Do you, do you feel like there's certain guys like, you know, Kamaru's the champion and he feels like he does not get the respect he deserves. Do, do you feel like you for a long time were kind of left out of it for one reason or another? Man, I still feel like I'm not getting uh, that much respect. If you think about it, more people are talking about how Tony's not the same than they are my performance. And yeah. and I get it. Uh, I guess you can you can say that to some degree. But like the 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 six guys I fought before him, they were they were you know they were new. They were they were fresh. They weren't they weren't uh, you know over the hill or whatever you want to call it. So I I think uh, putting some respect on my name at this point would make sense. I 100% agree with you, actually. I wanted your take on this. Thank you. I don't think that Tony's declined as much as we think that he has. 
I think that part of the problem is that you guys on the come up have figured him out in a lot of ways. And I, I think that has a lot to do with it. And you had said that there were many times that you sensed that he was about to do something and you could sense that he was a little bit better than the ground that people were giving credit for. So what's your take on the quote unquote decline of Tony Ferguson? I'm sure that that some of it is decline, but what do you think is happening with him? I think, uh, I think the decline is real. I, I think, uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that like he wants to do everything himself instead of, uh, you know, you need a head coach. I, I have a head coach for wrestling. I have a head coach for MMA. I have a head coach for jujitsu. You need direction. I think he's been doing the same thing and over and over again. And I think over the years, he's, he's had a lot of success, but I think people are figuring him out and he hasn't really added anything new to his game. Like I knew when he was going to throw his jab because he kept raising his knee and then throwing a jab. That that was like his thing. I, I knew uh, like his takedown defense is not that it's not that good, especially with his hips, because he doesn't wrestle anymore. You can tell he doesn't wrestle anymore. He tries to do jujitsu off of his back and, and like jujitsu's evolved so much in the last uh, 10 years. People don't realize that there's, there's a whole new uh, there's a whole new set of killers out there in a new game. And, and I'm trying to learn that now. And it's not easy. The leg lock game is, 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 is really tricky. Yeah, it seems like, too, like, you're right, because Tony's a guy that so many guys have been watching for years, and when you're a legendary status or even a champion and you have the target, you're the person everybody's gunning for. So everybody is watching your style, figuring you out. So it's almost, it's hard to maintain your ability to fend off the new guys who have been watching you for all this and, and changing their game accordingly. And then, you know, there's a lot of pride in that, too. For example, you see a new up-and-comer do something good, you, you, you don't say, ah, that's good. You, you just think to yourself, ah, I can do something better than that. So you don't actually adapt new things into your game because you're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm the guy. I've been here for a long time. I don't need new things. And I think that's, that's kind of Tony. I, I, just, I just don't, I didn't see anything new from him. And uh, so I, I, I just played the safest game I could. And if he would have stopped that, I would have, uh, I would have got a little crazier. And I think your last so last seven it's been three decisions, two submissions, two uh, two uh, by strikes. Am I correct that that's how you've won? It's, it's like a, a real variety of ways you have won your last uh, seven fights. So it's like you seem like a really difficult guy to prepare for. Yeah, I mean, my my biggest thing is just sticking to the game plan. Um, that that seems to be the hardest part for me. I'm 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 having a lot of trouble with that. And this fight, we were able to do it. And surprisingly, because you know the crowd wasn't on my side. Tony pissed me off during the press conference, and and so I I I, I, I was uh out of my team. I was at least sure that I could stick to the game plan, but it, it worked out pretty good. And then after the first round, after I had him down and and I held him, his arms got so tired. I I knew I could just do whatever was necessary. It's funny because it, um, you look at sort of the whole idea about wanting to be a champion and all of the things that go behind it. And I think that your mindset is is pretty awesome about like listening to your corners, understanding what it's like to be coached, having a game plan. I mean, how do you develop this sort of mindset and relationship with your team? Well, Hafal and I, uh, uh, Master Hafal and I, we, we've known each other for I think it's over 12 years. So we've been grinding together for a long time. So 
he knows my game so well. And, and so, you know, we, 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 um, we have a very good relationship and, and I think that that has a lot to do with it. It's, it's almost more than just a coach and a student relationship. So uh, I would say it's closer to a father son relationship. You know, we, we have more talks about other things than we do even MMA. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I, I have full trust in him when it comes to MMA. I, I see that he's constantly growing and he's constantly producing people. And, and so I, I trust him and then vice versa. He knows that, I don't leave any stone unturned to, to accomplish my goals. So there's a lot of trust there. And, and that's why he says, Hey, we're doing a, B and C. I say, okay, we're, we're going to do a, B and C, you know, and, and uh, after you get your new Tesla, uh, which of course <laughs> I, I, I think you deserve. Man, you guys want to hear something? <laughs> yeah. They have not stopped emailing me. I think uh, they cannot like since Sunday, they've been just going nuts, man. Email after email, like call after call. I'm like, all right, all right, I get it, I get it. I won't do that again. <laughs> Wait, who who's emailing you, Tesla? Yeah, Tesla. Everybody, everybody. Um, like I got different um dealers or whatever they're called. They're all messaging me. Different people are trying to get in contact with me, and I'm like, oh. okay, I'm gonna let my wife take care of it. I'm 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 good on this. This is stressful. Oh, I thought they were yelling at you. Okay, good. They're actually happy you said it. Good. No, no, no. They're they're, they're good. It's just. Ah, uh, man, I, I I got stressed out with it. My wife's like, I got it. Don't worry. <laughs> Somebody in the factories right now is like, where's the one for Darius? Where is it? Yes, we're working it? on it. <laughs> now, what do you see? Uh, the division is fucking, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's so good, your division. Um, and even though Chandler lost, he looked great in the first round. And he's, he's you know, he's still a, de- a devastating, I mean, guy, he just got caught with a perfect punch. Um, do, what do you see as, uh, your next fight? And I know that you'll probably take anybody they give you, but realistically, or what would be a goal be since, you know, you got, uh, Connor and Poirier are fighting for you. What looks good? Ch- Chandler for sure is a stud. I agree with you. I was thinking about it. Connor and Poirier are not, um, they're not what you call easy to deal with guys. So I might actually be able to get a title shot out of this. If you think about it, I think, um, I think Charles might could be next for me because uh, Poirier will fight Connor and then they'll 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 try to negotiate and that'll take like a year and a half. So yeah. while we wait for that, they might just call me and be like, "Hey, you, you want to fight for the title?" And I'll be like, "Let's go." So for me, ideally, Charles would be number one, and then um, I think uh, possibly the loser of uh, Dustin Poirier or, or Connor that could be another one for me. And uh, yeah, Chandler, I guess too. Chandler could be a uh, could be an option too. Did you have um, who did you have uh, in, in the fight? Did you have a not not a pick that you get you cared, but I mean, did, who did you think was going to win, or how did you think it would happen? I, I had uh, I was leaning towards Charles. I, I I told the media as well. I was leaning towards Charles, but not by much. I thought it was going to be a close fight, and uh, Charles surprised me. He looked really good out there. Yeah, he did. Um, and we were talking before, too, with uh, with Felicia Spencer, about just confident people like the, the, like he seems like a really confident without being cocky guy. Oh, uh, who's this? Charles? Charles. Oliver, yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think I think he's uh, he's very confident right now. He's on a nine fight win streak. I think he's like he's developed um, he's developed kind of an aura. 
But I also think stylistically, I am the worst matchup for him. I, I think uh, stylistically, I'm the guy, I'm the guy who goes out there. I can pressure you standing. I can out wrestle you. you. You know, you taking me down is not not likely. And if you take me down, that's okay too. Like I can fight off of my back. Most of the guys he takes down can't fight off their backs. And so I think stylistically, I'm a really bad matchup for him. And I think he doesn't really go to the to the championship rounds normally. And I think he's a guy who uh, doesn't have that um, will and cardio. So I think that's where I, I I'm definitely a bad matchup for him. So I'm I'm actually. I'm really thinking about this fight now. Who's the guy uh, who, who to you in, in your fights, would you say was the, the toughest to deal with off their back? Off their back, Diego, easily Diego, Diego Ferreira's jujitsu. Um, it's, it's world-class and he's made sure to stay up to date with, uh, with the leg lock stuff and, and, and all of that. I mean, if you watch his fight with um, Gregor, I know he lost the fight, but, in the first round, he was able to get, get my dogs in the way of the screen. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, so, attention to me. Uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, exactly. But Gregor, you know, Gregor was getting dominated by Diego in the first round. Diego is just, his grappling is that good. And, and I couldn't even keep Diego down. I was, I was having a really hard time with him. But eventually, I figured, that, I figured him out too. But I do think that you're a very tough matchup for uh, Oliveira. And you think that going deep in the fight would be an issue for him? Yeah, I mean, going deep in the fight would definitely be an issue for him. I think in general, for everybody out there, just the pressure I bring, you know, everybody says Tony's a cardio guy and he's a cardio king. I'm, I'm telling you, Tony was tired after the first round. Tony was not the same guy after the first round. And I, I believe I can bring that pace onto anybody. And how, how was his, uh, did you feel his knee pop? You said you felt it pop. Yeah, man. If I had to guess something's torn without a doubt, like it, it popped and the knee moved like the, the, the joint moved. And I was, ah, it was, it was like, I, I, I literally wanted to be like, dude, are you okay? And, and but it wasn't the right time. And I know Tony's crazy. He started dropping kicks on my, my chest or something. So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I felt like I couldn't believe because you could see the look on his face. Yeah, he grimaced and you could see the look on his face and he's had those knee surgeries and those injuries. I was like, what are you doing, man? Just tap already. And <laughs> I, was, I was like, all right, this isn't going to work. I just came on top. I, I Dude, I, I really wish he did tap. And uh, I know people are just saying that he probably thinks oh, it would have been a submission. At least he goes. It's not a decision when it's a submission one, but it's. um. Dude, buddy, get down. Yeah, the way. But like, I, I'm telling you, that knee is messed up, and it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna take a while to recover. And I feel bad for him. Yeah, he was. Uh, I was, I was surprised he actually was able to, uh, to, to finish. I, I thought he was finished. But you don't see somebody grimacing, especially a guy like that. You don't see a whole lot of uh, pain expressed, even against uh, Gaethje. Um, he was fucked up, but you didn't see that look of agony on his face that you put on. He just didn't even care. Like he just kept walking down the punches and, uh, and you know, I'm telling you, he's, he's, he's definitely a freak of a human, but it's, uh, it, I, I don't recommend anybody going through that. That I, I'm, I'm, I think he's going to need surgery and, and, and lots of rehab. And I hope he listens to his doctors. Cause I know he's done his rehab be- before himself. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of the issue with him. 
And then he, he, I feel like he overtrains too. He'll be like, all right, I'm going to shoot this basketball and I'm going to jump on this block. And then I'm going to play, I'm going to play connect four. And then I'm going to like stand on this brick. And it's like, all right, how about like basics? And, you know, it's like, it's a little crazy. He, he said something about doing, um, uh, what was it called? The, the shrugs at the press conference uh, before the fight. And I was just like, this can't be real. He can't really be saying this right now. I did uh, a thousand shrugs. It took me four hours. And I was like, well, what's where, when did you train that day? Like, what was the training that day? What was the, like, what was the point of that? Why did we hear about this? I didn't even know what to say. Like, I was just so confused at that moment. And you know, that's Tony. It worked for him for a long time, but it's, it's starting to catch up to him. I, I think you're right. I think the aura, sorry, the, the aura of a person, it's not just Tony, it's anybody who's got an aura of being like, whoa, what's he doing? After a while, guys who are really good at what they're doing don't care about that. Like, you know, a guy like yourself, you know what you're capable of doing. So if another guy is doing something that you wouldn't normally see in camp, you're not going to go, whoa, what, how do I deal with that? You're like, all right, whatever. I, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on top of him and, and hit him. Yeah. And you have to understand, too, you know, he was like talking about, oh, this guy, he's he's in the ultimate fighter house. I was like, I don't I don't know what that means. If you're talking about my training partners. Yeah, I do have the best training partners. And 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 we go live. Uh, I, I, at least I do. I, I go live at least four times a week if, if I have a fight coming up. So, dude, I, I don't know what kind of training you're doing, but I'm 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 literally going through the gauntlet just to get to you. And if I can survive my training, my fight's easy. Like I, I literally that's how I look at it. Surviving my fight is harder than uh, actually uh, actually getting to the fight itself. Surviving my camp. I'm mean. training. Yeah. So, Benny, what what is kind of like the timeline for you in, in an ideal situation? Ideal situation would be December because my daughter comes next month. And, uh, you know, they say the first like three, four months are tough because you can't set the sleep schedule. So I want to be the guy that wakes up and, and, and takes care of her. And I don't sleep much anyways. My wife, my wife really likes sleep. So uh, I want to let her sleep and I just want to be able to spend more time with my daughter. And, and if it means at nighttime, that's fine with me. Wait, you, you're not a good sleeper. I'm I'm I'm, cause I'm a shit sleeper, but I'm, I'm a lazy guy. I'm fascinated with fighters who are not great sleepers. Yeah. If I get six hours, it's a good day for me. Can you nap? Are you a good napper? Uh, if, if I'm exhausted, I'll, I'll, I'll take a nap. I'm, uh, it's it's weird. It, um, we were actually even thinking about doing like like checking out my heart, seeing if it's a heart issue because you know I just don't sleep well, and we're not we're not really sure why. We're trying to figure it out. Have you been checked for apnea? I I, I got apnea. I have two kinds of apnea, and uh, it might it could be uh, the central or it could be uh, obstructive. Maybe that's what's popping you up. Uh, I'm I'm gonna get checked out for everything, but. My wife's next to me. She doesn't say I have any breathing problems. It's just I wake up and then I start staring at the ceiling and I can't go back to sleep or I stare at my wife who sleeps very well. So I'm, I, my strength and conditioning coach was like, dude, maybe you just need to like start exercising when you wake up. I'm like, dude, you're going to turn me into Tony Ferguson. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> no, you know, if you go to the uh, if you go to the PI, maybe they can get you like an aura ring and they'll give you like a sleep score and they'll figure out like how how much deep sleep you're getting and like all that type of stuff. But I want to ask you this before I let you go. You know, Justin Gaethje is just like such a phenomenal human being and training partner and friend of yours. 
would it happen that you guys got matched up and like, what the heck would you do? Ideally for me, I, I avoid that guy like the plague, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, ideally it would be for the belt. At least there, you know, there's a reason to fight. I, I, that would be ideal for me, but I also understand how this sport is and, and we have to be professionals. You know, I, Justin, I don't see Justin all the time. Uh, Justin, I see one, once in a while. And when I see him, he, he, he's an incredible human being, like you said. So I, I, I would rather not fight him. But if it happens, I would prefer it to be for the belt. But that's a great little like that's great to you already separated. It's like Justin, I love it. Well, I mean, I don't see him all the time. Like he never actually drove, drove me home. Like you're getting ready. You, you know, you might have to uh, you might have to to do it. So if you got like Cormier said he would Dude. never fight Kane. But, you know, you got to be able to. Yeah, fight. You have we to, don't right? you know, that's the thing. We don't train in the same gym. Like I would never fight Hoffa. Hoffa, Hoffa, Aldous Hanos and I, we trained together a long time. We're, we're still friends and I see him on a regular basis. So it would be really difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I, it's not the same with Justin and I, it would still be very difficult to fight him. You know what, what scares the crap out of me is bro. That guy has like nuclear weapons in his hands yeah. and I have to avoid those for 25 minutes. That sounds, that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. And the leg kicks. I, I think my favorite thing to watch in MMA is just somebody's getting their legs kicked because it's just something, you know, again, watching boxing my whole life, you don't, you didn't see it. Um, you know, so it's so, so nice to watch uh, Barboza's fight. Did you see Barboza's fight? Yeah. Uh, isn't that nice Bro. to watch? And then and the, the way Justin does it, it's like a dog just chewing on a bone. He just little by little just wears it out. And then eventually just that bone falls apart. It's oh, man, I'm stressing out just thinking about it. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll get it figured out. Well, hopefully we'll hear from you soon uh, who you have next. And again, I, I would uh, I don't think anybody would object uh, after that last uh, dominating performance. Uh, you Oliveira would be a, a great fight. But even if they have another fight lined up for you, you probably are at most one fight away, either next fight or one fight away. You can't be more than that. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping ideally I get Charles because I think everybody's going to be just hanging around, not really wanting to fight. But if not, I'm hoping one fight away. So I, I get a big name. Yeah. Benny, I want to say one thing to you before you go. This uh, this next generation of fighters that are coming up are not just fighters. They're martial artists. They do a lot for, you know, charity. They use their celebrity really well. I'm, I'm watching you guys like you, like Poirier, like Max Holloway, like uh, this whole new generation of fighters that really do some amazing things outside of the octagon. And I heard about the orphanage and, and all that type of stuff. And I just wanted you to maybe speak about what it's like to be in your position as like a, as a sports figure and, and what you're doing outside of, of the cage. Oh yeah. The orphanage for me, I mean, it just, it was a years of, uh, just years of time spent in Haiti. Just the, the, the relationship I have w with, uh, with, with the people in Haiti. And then eventually I just couldn't, I couldn't just sit around anymore and do nothing. You know, the UN reports that a thousand kids just get dropped off the street every, every, every day, not, not a week, not a year, but every day they, they get dropped off the streets and nobody knows what happens to them. They basically just have to fend for themselves. And, and that has a lot to do with the culture. So my goal is to just raise godly men and women who are going to change that culture. And uh, hopefully we don't hear uh, the, uh, those UN numbers ever again. 
Well, look, it's uh, good luck with your daughter too. This is this is your first your first child. Do you have you have more kids? This is gonna be my first child. Oh. That's right. Well, good luck, man. I, I hope uh, hope you everything uh, works out and you get a little bit of sleep. And uh, I'll be interested to talk to you next time. Hopefully, they'll figure out this sleep thing because um, that's uh, I'm more curious about fighters that can't sleep probably than any other aspect of fighting. Okay, and I'll give you whatever info I got on it. Hopefully, it'll help you out too. Yeah, probably. Well, probably not. I don't, I don't exercise. I do a half hour on the elliptical, and now I'm asking a fucking a UFC fighter about like you know, like we have the same breathing issues. It's great talking to you, man, and uh, congratulations. Uh, you looked amazing, you. and uh, hopefully you. you get the title shot next. Hope we get that Tesla too. Ooh, Tesla's coming soon. That's for sure. They've they've been reaching out real Good. hard. <laughs> a Tesla and uh, a Tesla and, and your daughter. You're gonna have a great year. It's gonna be amazing. Well, look, Phoenix, you know, I, I love having you on and I love when you're on. I, I don't have you on. You're a part of the show. You come on whenever you can. You're a guest <laughs> and a friend. But it's good talking to you as always. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. And like I said, when Matt's here and all three of us can hang, but uh, you're always such a great co-host. So thank you so much for coming today. I appreciate it, Jim. So fun to talk to you. And yes. And also great to talking to Theo. Check out Army of the Dead now in theaters. And of course, Felicia Spencer and um, Benil Dariush after a tremendous, tremendous win. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.